a fresh start. At some stage we've all longed for one, a clean sheet, a blank page, new vistas. Maybe it's with a relationship or career, finances or lifestyle. Yes, we've longed for a fresh start. And this might be you today. And when it comes to a fresh start, there's nothing like a new year to get us thinking of new beginnings. On the negative, divorce lawyers gear up for extra work in January. Sadly, it's their busiest month. Now, that's not the sort of fresh start I was thinking of this morning. More along the positive line. A positive, fresh start. And with the new year, resolutions are on many of our minds. Uh, Did you make any New Year's resolutions? Uh, Some people don't, and some people are very keen. You know, a New Year's resolution, a commitment to start something new or improve our game to focus what's important. And so, some of us whip out our brand new 2019 diaries and we make a list. Your list might look something like this. Exercise five times a week. Stick to our budget. Read my Bible every day. And as we write these resolutions, we're looking forward to a thinner, financially stronger and more spiritual us. And then January happens. And as we remember from last New Year, resolutions are much easier made than kept. What started in a rush of excitement ends in quiet disappointment, a sad rolling over, falling back into our old ways. But at least we're not alone. By February, some 80% of us have stopped jogging, started sleeping in, and slipped back into whatever bad habits we're trying to break. Now, part of why this happens is because we leave God out. We either leave him out completely, he doesn't feature at all in our resolutions, or because he becomes just one other resolution alongside things like exercise and sticking to budgets. In all this, we overestimate our ability to change ourselves, and we underestimate making Christ central This not need be so. A fresh start is within all our reaches. And so with this in mind, we're going to explore a challenging Bible passage that can be our 2019 new beginning, one that can last past January and February and beyond. Uh, We're going to replace three common resolutions, like exercising, sticking to a budget, reading the Bible. And these are all very good, by the way, with something that's not easier but life transforming. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, we pray that your spirit will open it up to us, that you will challenge us where we need challenging and comfort us where we need comforting. In Jesus' name, amen. The key verse is found in our Philippians passage, and it's verse 10, chapter 3, verse 10. And that verse is made up of three parts, which neatly make three resolutions. So we'll read the verse and we'll list the resolutions. Then we'll look at the context or the background. And then we'll open each one of those resolutions to see how they can help us make a fresh start. So, Philippians 3 verse 10. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. So, three resolutions. To know Christ, to know the power of his resurrection 
to share in Christ's sufferings. Aren't they quite different from exercising, budgeting, reading our Bible? Uh, Already I can see a few minds ticking over. Ho-hum to the first. The second one looks interesting. And where on earth is he going to go with the third one? Well, let's see. The background, the context. Paul writes this letter to the Philippian church while he's in Rome and while he is in prison. He's in chains. Why is he in chains? Well, Philippians 1.13 tells us. This is Paul writing. As a result, it has become clear through the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. So, for Christ's sake. He's been living for Christ. He's been going hard out for Jesus. He's been telling people about his saviour. Christ has so captivated the affection of Paul's heart that he can't help himself. He just busts at the seams until he can tell someone about Jesus and that he is the only way. Now, whenever you are about God's kingdom work, you always get pushback. And for Paul, this time he happens to find himself in jail. But while in chains, he is not idle. He writes to thank the church in Philippi for their generous support, but also as they face tough times, including false teaching. In Philippi, there's false teaching going around that wants to replace faith in Christ with a return to the law. And Paul writes, no, no, don't return to the law. And though Paul used to be like a ninja at keeping rules and regulations... He was awesome at it. In fact, you can read that the paragraph or so before. He was a ninja at keeping the rules and regulations. He now writes this in Philippians 3, 7. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss. So all the law keeping that he was very good on, he considers loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of what? Of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Knowing Christ, this is the foundation of our faith. Nothing else is so foundational, so core to this as knowing Jesus Christ as the Son of God, who died that we might be forgiven and was raised from the dead, that we might be sons and daughters of the Most High God. And We have a habit of being distracted from this great truth and feel that our faith is better spent in other places. And the worries and the cares of the world choke out. The fact is Christ is our centre. See how wonderfully Paul writes this. He's just got a wonderful way with words. I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. That I may gain Christ and be found in him. That was Paul's passion, his hunger and his heart. And he wants it to be ours as well. And then this paragraph comes to the end or comes close to the end with this, our key verse. Paul says, I want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. So let's unpack each of those three and see what it means for us. So the first one, Paul wants to know Christ. 
Now, this is not because Paul has a passing acquaintance or a distant knowledge of Jesus. It's not that he's hearing about Christ for the first time and thinking, oh, yes, I like the sound of that, I must know more. Not at all, far from it. Paul already knows Jesus really well. And if we think back in Paul's life, this was not always so. For indeed, Paul used to be a sworn enemy of Christ, and his life passion was not to know him more, but to destroy the church, to eradicate the name of Christ from the face of the earth. You see, after Stephen's death, his death at the hands of an angry mob, persecution broke out against the young church. And Paul was at the forefront. He would not rest until the name of Jesus was blotted out. But on the road to Damascus, to increase the persecution, suddenly, unexpectedly and without precedent, a bright light surrounded this enemy of Christ. In Acts chapter 9, verse 4, we read, Paul fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. And they converse, and Paul is struck blind. And then three days later, Paul is healed, and his life is never the same again. Talk about knowing Christ. None of us know Jesus like this. But there's more. Christ appeared to Paul on more than one occasion, including at Corinth, when persecution was starting to ramp up and there were opposition. Jesus, in a vision, stood in front of Paul and said, keep on preaching me, I will protect you. Paul really knew Jesus. And in 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about being taken up into heaven and encountering all kinds of wonders. Though we're not sure, we don't have the detail, most likely he encountered Christ in a very special way. Yet despite all this, and despite Paul's daily walk with Jesus, Paul wants to know Christ even more. Paul was delighted in Christ and he wanted to delight more. And so, let me ask you, is this a priority for you? Is there a yearning to know Christ more? Now, it doesn't matter how long you've been coming to church. You might have been coming to church for decades. Or this might be your first time. And if it is, welcome. We're glad you came if it's your first time to church. But it doesn't matter whether it's your first or your thousandth time. Is getting to know Jesus your priority? Let me put it like this. Imagine a continuum of knowing Jesus. On the far left is distant. You feel distant to Jesus. He's at arm's length. May even be a seeker. And he's distant. Or you may have been coming to church for years, but he's still distant. The other end of the spectrum is delight. Knowing Christ is a delight, a joy, and a thrill. He's your all in all, and you long for him more. So distant or delight, where are you on this sliding scale? I'll go further. At the risk of offending some, maybe many here today, if any of us are happy with where we are on this continuum, I doubt whether we're even a Christian. What I'm saying is if you you place yourself anywhere on that continuum, if you are happy where you are, I doubt whether you're a Christian. 
Now let me qualify this. You may be distant from Jesus, but you're not happy. That's okay, because you still have that yearning for Jesus. Maybe you're in the middle, and you're happy to be in the middle. You know, you want to make sure you get into heaven, but you really don't want Jesus interfering with day-to-day life. So in the middle is good. For you, I fear for your mortal soul if you are happy with being in the middle. I mean, look at Paul. He was right on the far end of the light. And what did he want? He wanted more of Jesus. That was his top priority. The mark of a Christian is someone that can't get enough of Jesus. You might be like Michael, who spent most of his life an alcoholic, but then he discovered Jesus and he wanted more of Jesus and it turned his life around. You see why I say, if you are happy with where you are on that continuum, I doubt whether you are a Christian. Let's put it another way. Do you want a fresh start? Well, wherever you are on this scale, you can move. And when you start moving from distant to delight in knowing Christ, all sorts of wonders open up. I mean, do you want a a worthy New Year's resolution? Well, knowing Christ is it, knowing him more. In 12 months' time, do you want to look back and say, wow, look how far I've come? Then make knowing Christ your number one priority. If you do, you'll never be the same. Now listen, you may still include exercising five days a week. Our bodies are a temple of God. The Bible tells us the Holy Spirit lives within us. And so it is good to exercise. But this is secondary, secondary to knowing Christ. And you can still have a resolution of sticking to your budget or maybe making a budget and sticking to it for all sorts of good reasons, including that will free up finances that you can use to advance God's kingdom. But it's secondary. And you can still have the resolution of reading your Bible. In fact, you must have a resolution of spending more time in your Bible because that is one of the primary ways, not the only way, but one of the primary ways that we get to know Christ. And so, knowing Christ is first and the most important resolution based on Philippians 3.10. The other two flow out of this, and we will consider these now. So, knowing Christ, and secondly, know the power of his resurrection. Now, just like Paul knew Christ and wanted more, Paul knew the resurrection power of Christ and also wanted more. I mean, how did Philippi, how did the church in Philippi get started? Well, in a vision... Paul was called over to Macedonia and the capital is Philippi. He had no intention of going to Philippi, but in a vision, a a, a man, a local, called him and said, we need to hear about Christ, (coughs) resurrection power of Christ. Lydia, a deal in purple cloth, was converted and so will a few other locals and the nucleus of a small church starts taking shape. But as a small band of believers gather traction, A demon-possessed, fortune-telling slave girl enters the mix. Do you remember the story and that display of resurrection power? 
bizarrely, the slave girl starts following Paul around, shouting, these men are the servants of the Most High God. For three days, she follows Paul, shouting. It drives Paul to despair. He is troubled. And so addressing the demon directly, he casts it out in Jesus' name and she is delivered and healed. This is a resurrection power that Paul wants to know in his life and his ministry, especially when it comes to sharing Christ and conversion. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19, again, Paul is in prison for Christ and he's writing another letter, but this time to the letter in, uh, to the church in Ephesus. And at the close of the letter, he asks for prayer. Now, if you were in prison for serving Christ, what would you ask prayer for? For your release. Well, I certainly would be praying for my release. But what does he ask people in Ephesus to pray for? The resurrection power of Christ. This is his words in Ephesians 6 verse 19. Paul writes... Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Do you see what he's praying for? The resurrection power of Christ that he might fearlessly preach, explain, tell people, about Jesus. He knew that power in his life and he wanted more. In 2019, make room for the resurrection power of Christ in your life. Pray that you may know him better and his resurrection power so that you can bless others. Don't be satisfied with the same old, same old. Pray for big things and expect big things from Jesus and for Jesus. The resurrection power. And the third resolution from verse 10 is to share in Christ's suffering. Now, Paul knew Christ, he knew the resurrection power, and Paul also knew what it was to suffer for Christ. He knew that whenever there is resurrection power, there is always pushback. Satan gets ahead of steam, and the world raises its fist. Let me ask you this. What happened after Paul cast out that demon from that fortune-telling slave girl? Do you remember what happened to him? That's right. The owners had lost their income. She'd been owned by people and they would charge money to have their slave girl read your fortune and she was very good at it. And their income dried up overnight. So they had Paul and Silas beaten and thrown in jail. Where is Paul when he writes Philippians? In jail. Where was he when he wrote Ephesians, Colossians and Philemon? In jail. Paul knew the sufferings of Christ. He has a summary in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 from verse 23 where he writes, I've been in prison more frequently and been flogged more severely and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I've received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beating with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a day and a night in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, from bandits, from my own countrymen, from Gentiles, in the city, in the country, and danger at sea. I have laboured and toiled and I've often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and often gone without food. 
I have been cold and naked. Paul knows about suffering. And he's not asking for more. He wants to know Christ more. He wants the resurrection power more, but he doesn't want to extend that list. What he wants is the fellowship of sharing in Christ's suffering. He wants his suffering to count. Authentic following of Christ always produces pushback. Here, Paul is saying, make this suffering count. May my suffering drive me closer to Christ that I may share in the fellowship of his suffering. You see, because of the cross, no pain need be wasted. Now, often we waste the pain and suffering that comes into our life. It drives us away from God. We think, God, we had an arrangement. You know, I'd come to church and pray and read my Bible and you would bless me. Now, that's the arrangement. Why is this difficult situation come into my life? It's your fault. Now, we often don't articulate it that clearly, but that's often how we feel when suffering comes into our life. We've paid our dues. Now, that's one way that we can react to suffering. The other is to trust in God's loving kindness and his faithfulness and allow that suffering to drive us to our knees where we seek God's mercy and grace, where he does a work in our lives. Philippians chapter 129, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe him, and most Christians will put their hand up and say yes, and then he adds, but also to suffer for him, in which most times the hands of Christians go right back down. <laughs> Believing in Christ is one thing, suffering for him is another. In 2019, none of your suffering need be wasting. You may be carrying health issues or relationship tensions or career turmoil into 2019. This year, if it's not you, it will be a loved one and you will feel for them and their suffering. But you have a choice. You can waste the pain or you can make it count. Because of the cross, no pain need be wasted. Not when it drives us to our knees and seeking God's mercy and strength. So, three resolutions for 2019. To know Christ to know the power of his resurrection, to share in Christ's suffering. It's not easy, but with Christ at your side, you will be living the adventure. And we come now to communion. And as we come, pause and ask and say, God, what are you saying to me? As you take the bread, he may be saying, Take this bread and take more of me. Know me. Press into me. As you come close to me, I promise I will come close to you. As you take the wine, Jesus may be saying to you, make room for my resurrection power in your life. I will do it. As you look to the cross with the body broken and the blood shed, is Jesus saying to you, because of the cross, no suffering need be wasted. As you take this bread and this wine, share in the fellowship of my pain. I will hold you tight. I will keep you. I know you by name. You are mine.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there is a stirring of your spirit within us to know Jesus more. Help us to lean into that stirring, that call of the Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, to resolve for 2019 to make knowing Jesus more the number one priority. We don't want it to fade by the end of January. We want it to grow stronger and stronger until Christ has captivated every affection of our heart for the glory of you, most high God. In Jesus' name, amen.